the kill, and Warner wins the set. Fade away by Moores. In play with Craig Maddock, made possible by the exclusive support of Lake Area Technical College. It is you. Welcome to another edition of In Play. I'm Craig Maddock. 2021, the 40th anniversary of the South Dakota High School football playoffs. 40 years and 230 championship games. And in each of those championship games, there was an MVP chosen. Among those 230 championship MVPs, there were a bunch of two-time MVPs. Stickney Mount Vernon, former Minnesota Viking Chad Greenway was a two-time MVP. Other two-time winners included Dave Behan of Brandon Valley, Josh Ronick, Bonham, Danny Fathke, Avon, Dan O'Keefe of Aberdeen, Ron Colley, plus Cody Bunger of Canastota, Riley Schmidt, Del Rapids, Mason Layton of Madison, Trey Ortman, Canastota Freeman, Parker Nelson of Sioux Falls Christian, Garrett Stout Pier, Tupac Capea, Sioux Falls, Washington, and just one three-time MVP in these 40 years, and that was Jason Lieber of Vermilion. In today's edition of In Play, we feature the first-time Joel Robbie MVP award winners from that first year of the South Dakota High School football playoffs. We'll talk with Jay Schrader of the Bridgewater Wildcats, Steve Korn from the Freeman Flyers, Dan Olson to Smet Bulldogs, and Jack Sharkey with the Winter Warriors. Sioux Falls O'Gorman's Pat Wisensee was unavailable for this podcast. Let's hear from those first Joe Robbie MVPs from the 1981 championship season. When you look back at 1981, team that won their first title, boy, there's a lot has changed with that school. But what a football school they have become. But you got to go back to 1981. They were all by themselves. There, were, there was no consolidation for the Bridgewater Wildcats. And Bridgewater, they win the Class 9B championship. They beat Cologne 6 to nothing. It was an undefeated season for the Wildcats. And, boy, look at Bridgewater now. They've won titles in 9AA and, of course, in Class 11B. They've, they've been, like, to the last four straight state championships. So Bridgewater, they love their football in Bridgewater. But they were the Wildcats. Bill Marquardt was the the head coach. And in that championship game, Jay Schrader was the MVP, the Joe Robbie Award winner. He was the running back for the Wildcats. And he joins us from his home in Watertown. And Jay, just listening to me talk uh, here for the last 30 seconds, that was 40 years ago. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about that team in 81? tell you what, Craig, it's a pleasure to be with you. That was a remarkable uh, group of student athletes, uh, really uh, uh, a lot of seniors in the class uh, on that team. Uh, you know, for a small school, we had 16 boys, about four girls in our senior class. You look at the starting offense, defense, those, those were mostly seniors, uh, on both sides of the ball, they're playing for the Wildcats, and we sprinkle in a few juniors and some under, underclassmen on occasion, but mostly mostly seniors and really a great group of, of student athletes all the way around, multi-sport athletes, really good people, good program. Bill Markwert, you know, Mr. Competitive himself, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he always had a good scheme. He had uh, quite a way about him. You know, I think one he just earned our respect and kind of built us up over from week to week, from from game to game. But uh, you know, great coaches in Bill Marquardt and assistant uh, Jim Musel. So really, a lot of good, a lot of good people in Bridgewater back in in, in the nineteen nineteen eighty one era. We would say nineteen eighty. There were no playoffs in South Dakota. What was it like finishing the season? and not even thinking playoffs. Well, you know, to be quite honest with you, you know, there's quite a lobby going on at that time. I know Bill coach, Bill Mark was involved. There was a lot of talk up and up in pier about trying to develop this. And so I like to think Bill Mark was somewhat uh, uh, responsible for, for helping lead the lead the push on this. And so, you know, honestly, if you look back at the wildcats from 79 
the fall of 79 through 81, basically were undefeated. I know we won 27 games in a row. So you can, you can darn well bet that Coach Markwert uh, and the Wildcats in the back of their mind were, were kind of chomping at the bit on this deal because we had great teams uh, for so many years and, you know, just a strong football tradition, as you alluded earlier, Craig. It was Class 9B, though. You were one of the smallest schools in the state and winning football games week after week after week. What kind of an offense did you run under Coach Marquardt? Well, it was uh, kind of a unique offense that uh, Bill implemented a couple years uh, earlier than than when I was a senior. But uh, it was a a double-wing offense, kind of unique, always somebody in motion, and – you know, like I said, uh, you know, our, our quarterback, uh, as big as he was, he's, he's six foot, 200 pounds, very mobile. He ran the offense well, and we had good running backs, wing backs with uh, Doug Weber and myself. And then you had the uh, tailback and Jimmy Reinhart back there. So um, it was a pretty much wide open offense and spread people out on a, you know, a nine man team spread it, spreading them out on a hundred yard field like that. Uh, it was nothing but, uh, kind of fast paced and furious, uh, a lot of points put up by the Wildcats back then. Looking at a, that 81 season, you uh, went undefeated during the regular season. You, uh, you beat Florence and Marion Hanson Montrose. Canova, again, these are schools that were all by themselves back in 1981. Right. And then, right. and then, like, week six or so, you, you played Freeman. Freeman went on to win the 9A title that year. You beat Freeman 14-6. to What was that game like? Well, that was, a, that was really a key game. You know, uh, in hindsight, you know, you can look back and you go, well, Craig, we kind of won two titles that year, didn't we? Because, uh, you know, Freeman had a great team. I know it was a 14-6 to final score. I think we played Freeman at Freeman that year. Really a good good team, good good program. So, uh, um, you know, a lot of good teams back then. I want to just add, too, that, you know, Bill Markwert, you know, he was always looking for, for the team to gain that competitive advantage. And, and I don't know how he pulled this off, Craig, but, you know, one of the last games of the year, Bill Coach Markwork got us into the Dome, and we played Elsester. And if you think about that experience, having that pre-championship Dome experience, that was huge. And the other thing I want to say about the Dome, too, Craig, is it was crazy because you come uh, from the outside fall evening when it's 30, 30 degrees or colder or whatever the temps were, and now you're inside in a Dome that's really – at that time, unair conditioned. Mm-hmm. It was hot and it was balmy. And by halftime, you were wrung out. It was like you were like a dish rag. It was unbelievable going into a, a dome and play um, in a championship game. And I really think uh, that game with Elsester at the end of the season, a regular season game, somehow, some way, Coach Markwork got a got the <laughs> team in, and we had dome experience. How many? Nine man teams had dome experience prior to that, and I don't know how Zero. he pulled it off. Great. <laughs> Zero, but there's a whole nother story for you. It was eight to six. I mean, Alcester gave you a whale of a game the last game of the regular season. Absolutely, absolutely, they could have very, very likely beat us. And uh, again, you know, I think that was part of that experience. It zaps you in a in a, a dome like that that really is at that time, unair conditioned. And by halftime, like I said, you really feel wrung out. And, you know, if you look at the Wildcats versus Cologne in the championship game, everybody said it should be a high-scoring scoring affair because <laughs> truly the teams put up a lot of points all season. But, again, by the time you come into that dome, it zaps you. The other thing I want to say, too, Craig, is from my perspective, you know, the way the playoffs were set up, I can't remember – the exact dates, how many days apart we played games. But, you know, by that time we got to the championship, I think both teams were pretty tuckered out. And there was, you know, we were kind of battling um, a fair amount of injuries and guys that were dinged up. So contrary to what was advertised uh, going to be a high-scoring game, it ended up being just just a good game. (laughs) You had played Cologne uh, just uh, about – 
three or four weeks in the championship game after playing them in the regular season. It was a high-scoring game, 30-20. to 20. What stood out in that game, knowing that uh, it was the second to the last uh, regular season game? Well, you know, at that time, uh, Cologne was highly regarded. And again, I don't know how uh, the coaches figured out the schedule like that, but I'm relatively sure two good programs wanted to get together. And whether there was playoffs or not, they they wanted to get the teams together and, and see how they matched up. And so, you know, obviously, Cologne had a solid program. Uh, they had, you know, Brad Vaughn at running back that was tremendously fast. And so, you know, you put a guy that was a state sprinter at like Vaughn was on, on AstroTurf in a dome, uh, that could scare the bejeebies out of you if you're a linebacker or de- <laughs> defensive back because if that kid gets in the open around the end, he's gone. So, uh, you know, just just a lot of fun fun things to talk about and reflect uh, a lot of good a lot of good football going back on and, and Cologne was certainly a, a a really worthy opponent that that championship game. I've got the schedule of what happened in the playoffs. This is the very first year of the South Dakota high school football playoffs. And, and uh, you uh, and the, the Wildcats, you played on a, a Wednesday night and you win your first game over uh, Ethan. Then you played the following Tuesday against Woonsocket. And after you won that game, you had to play the next Friday. So you only had like three, four day, three days to get ready for the championship game. You know, to, to that point, exactly. And you go inside a, uh, a dome uh, environment, temperature environment that just zaps you, Craig. You wonder why we ended up with a 6-0. It was two good quality programs that came inside and uh, felt the effects of, as you alluded, three, three games in a row that were, were really a tight schedule. And I think that's how you end up with a six old score with two good teams back in the eighties. But uh, a lot of a lot of fun, great memories, and great really uh, teammates to to be involved and in, in really play with. Well, in that championship game, it was uh, Bridgewater at eleven and zero against Cologne. They were nine and one. You were named the MVP, the Joe Robbie Award winner. The game was only six to nothing. What? Tell me about that six points that Bridgewater was able to put on the board. Yeah, you know, I tell you what, um, you know, as a wing back, I'd line up on the left side and uh, go in motion, and we'd attack the right side uh, of the line because uh, it it uh, ended up that our line on that side was just doing a remarkable uh, job all all day long, really, for the most part. And you know, as much as we tried to go with uh, uh, Doug Weber in motion coming across the left side. Uh, we had a little trouble on the left side. They were stacking it up on us. So uh, my number got called. I like to attribute it to being in the right place at the right time, Craig. So uh, I think uh, I met a gentleman, their their quarterback at the goal line, uh, Richie. Um, <laughs> was his last name and he was right at the goal line and I had the momentum and I kind of blow over the top of him and uh, it was a great feeling. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what could I say? Uh, you know, just, just a, a remarkable time uh, for a bunch of young men to go and play a game and to have that opportunity to go into a dome and play in an environment you've never played before. And the crowd, is actually so loud uh, when you come inside the dome. Um, you know that's a whole whole different type of game when you come inside of the dome and, and just to hear the signals being called. And so to to score and do what we did was was a great thing. You know you mentioned the Joe Robbie MVP. There's a lot of good players on the team, and uh, I'm you know very happy to be selected the Joe Robbie. There is uh, also uh, a couple other awards that 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 the Wildcats received. They had the offensive player of the game, which is myself, and then uh, offensive. Uh, excuse me. We had a we had the defensive player uh, of the game. Defensive player of the game, Jerry Weber, as a lineman, 
and uh, myself as uh, the most outstanding back. And so the the Wildcats uh, had a great season, and and uh, quite a few of the uh, the the guys on the team made the All Conference. Um, I mentioned I think earlier Kevin Anderson and I were were co-captains on the team, but you know All Conference selections. You had five seniors: Paul Richards, myself, Doug Weber, Dale Weber, Kevin Anderson. And we had some honorable mention all conference, you know, like Todd Shaw, Dean Weber, Jim Reinhardt, just a good cast of solid players. Uh, every one of those guys could very well have been an MVP in a game like that. And uh, I just so happened to cross the goal line. And uh, so I think it was an easy selection for the boys when it's a 6-0 score. So just a pleasure to be, be named that and, kind of a exciting time you have no idea because nobody before you has ever been in, in in that position before Craig as the first ever state champions that was pretty remarkable so uh, you just can't imagine you know pretty pretty thrilling time for a good group of good good cast characters good teammates and uh, good good coaches good program all the way around by the way that Cologne Cowboy you ran into at the goal line the quarterback Randy Ritchie there you go, was, Randy Ritchie. Was the quarterback. Um, what is your impression of what Bridgewater has done now? They they have won titles in 9AA. They've won titles now. They're in Class 11B. Uh, an amazing program. They're with Emory Ethan. Uh, they love their football when you put those uh, programs together. Yeah, you got to look at the, uh, the schools, um, how remarkable it is that uh, they can – uh, unified to the extent they have, you know, everybody has to, you know, as we say, drink the Kool-Aid to have a successful program. And Coach Van Leeuwen, uh has done a remarkable job year after year. And I'm not sure how you how you make the move if you understand that, you know, in the early years, I remember when Coach Van Leeuwen was at, at Emory, you know, we're playing nine-man small ball. And, and heck, those guys are up playing 11 11 a 11 b uh just a remarkable job remarkable program uh, you know i think think the world of the program and the coach and the schools that have have joined joined together to, to put that solid of a program together it's just remarkable jay you live in watertown now what do you do well i tell you what i uh pretty blessed i uh i work for uh American Family Insurance, and I'm a field rep for them, and uh, it's been a great honor to be with such a well-recognized company, and so I'm very blessed there. Hard to believe it's been 40 years, 6 nothing. Do, do you think about that once in a while? Yeah, I think it's, it's every fall when the season comes <laughs> around. Uh, you think, you know, I, I remember when uh, – there were some wildcats back in the eighties that roamed the dome and how they were really chomping at the bit in the, you know, prior to and leading up to that fall of 81, there was, there was many players before us and, you know, the seniors that led us in 79 and 80 that also went undefeated in our senior year, we went undefeated. Uh, there's a really a good, good uh, group of athletes that came out of there and finally to, to be able to play in the state uh, playoffs like that, win a championship. Uh, it's, uh, it's good memories every year when the fall, fall time comes around, Craig. Very true. Nineteen eighty one. If you had a chance to take a look at the program back then, first three years of the championships, the, Five classes we had in South Dakota were 9A, 9AA, 11A, 11AA, and 11AAA. And then 1985, they changed it for the five classes to 9B and 9A, 11B, 11A, and 11AA. So a little bit of a, we had 11AAA back in 1981 for the first uh, three years of the football playoffs. But in, in class 9AA, the Freeman Flyers was the team. That was a team that went on to win the championship. And the Joe Robbie most valuable player was Steve Korn, the quarterback for the Flyers. And Steve is joining us from Venice, Italy today on business. He's from Jasper, Indiana. And uh, Steve, 
thanks for joining us today, and we really appreciate the time today. Uh, when you think about it, 40 years ago in the Freeman Flyers, you know, Freeman has been to the, the championships a number of times over the years, whether they were by themselves or consolidated, and they've won every time they've been there. Pretty impressive for a, a, a tiny town in South Dakota. Yeah, I agree with you. It's pretty impressive for a small town in South Dakota, for sure. When when uh, 1980 was around, you know, there were no football playoffs. Um, what was that season like, knowing that there were no playoffs? There was a definite end when that regular season ended against Hanson. Yeah, I think it was, you know, all the way through there where there were no playoffs. You know, if you weren't rated high enough, you knew you weren't going to get number one. And you just had to try to win as many games as you can, and hopefully you're rated high enough. And, uh, you know, we heard about the playoffs in that summer, and we're really hoping, you know, we've talked about it for a long time. Why can't there be a playoffs in football like there is in every other sport? Jim Eisenbray was your uh, your head coach. Um, great guy. What, what was Jim like as a coach for the Freeman Flyers? Yeah, that was his first year in Freeman. Uh Small, small story, Jim and I went to the same church together at Menno when I was growing up. I knew his brother really well, but uh, he was new, coming to Freeman, coming from kind of an arch-rival school in Menno, and we <laughs> quite weren't sure what it was going to be like to have him as our coach. And he jumped on the scene, and uh, he jumped right in. And uh, i tell you one thing, he worked our tails off, and we were in the best condition of our entire lives that year. 1981, you only had six seniors on the team. Of course, you only had 20 on the roster for Freeman, six seniors. So tell me, the, the, what kind of a team was it? Uh, we were a close team, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, when we heard about the playoffs, we talked that summer and said, hey, we're going to go and we're going to win it. You know, we were, we were really focused. We had a great group of uh, uh, teammates that were really team players. And did whatever it took to win, and uh, we were small team. Most of us went both ways. I think all but one or two of us went both ways for the whole year. And uh, whether we were on the uh, offense, defense, kickoff, punt, whatever, we we played both ways most of the time. You were five eleven, one sixty, and a senior as a quarterback, and you also were the linebacker. As I looked at your roster, you, you didn't have a lot of big guys on your team. Nobody was over two hundred pounds. Yeah, our two biggest guys were Jimmy Kaufman and Ken Becker. I think they were both about 185 or 190. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have a lot of big guys in Freeman at that time. We had a lot of speed, and, you know, we we were very technical sound, you know, from Coach Eisenbright down. He really pushed the, the technique, and uh, that really made a difference for us. You uh, you beat Centerville, you beat Armour, you beat Avon, you beat Menno, you beat Marion, and here you are, you know, just over halfway through the season, you're undefeated. Uh, you were expecting to be undefeated at about that time of the season? We we thought we would be, you know, we were going to Armour. They beat us pretty bad the year before. We we had a little bit of a, I wanted to get even with them. We had a tough game there, and Centerville was a tough game. The Avon game was a really tough game uh, for us. I think that one was like 18-6. Uh, to six. They were on our three-yard line about three times, and we stopped them. But we were expecting to be, you know, pretty good and uh, thought we had a good team and we knew we'd have to, to win a lot of games to get to the playoffs, which was our goal. You're 5-0 in 1981, and then it's Bridgewater. Bridgewater eventually went on to win the Class 9B championship, but you lost to Bridgewater 14-6. to What was that game like for you guys? You know, that was a big game. Bridgewater was a, a big arch rival for us all the way through high school and basketball, football, all those key sports. They had really good athletes uh, also and always had a tough game with them. I, it was just a huge crowd for a small town in Freeman. You know, people were lined around the field and standing room only, and uh, it was a heck of a football game. So I can remember we had the ball at last and driving down the field on them and I threw an interception in the end zone, which ended the game. So that was kind of a bad ending, but mm, what, it was a heck of a football game. What a really good football team. Uh, what a coulda, shoulda type event, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I should have kept it and ran it in. I saw a big, a big opening to the left, but I still threw it. I shouldn't have. You won your last two regular season games, Montrose and Hanson, uh, that, that season, and you go into the playoffs. And, 
Uh, when you look at the playoffs, you played Chester, uh, that first playoff game. What, what was the atmosphere like knowing that that was the first playoff game in football in South Dakota? Yeah, that was an exciting time in Freeman, you know, uh, playoffs, for, first time ever, you know, hosting it at, at Freeman was a was a big deal for us. Uh, you know, the whole community was behind us. And, you know, Chester had a really good team as well when they come, came to town and uh, – uh, had a heck of a football game with those guys that night. Well, you shut them out, 14 nothing. Uh, still a close game. Yep. Uh, and then the following week, semifinals, uh, you took on an undefeated Frederick team. Uh, for those that don't remember, Frederick is just north of Aberdeen. Uh, Frederick won the championship, by the way, the following year. But you shut out Frederick, an undefeated team, 46 to nothing. What was going right for you guys that day? Yeah, I think everything went right for us that day. Uh, you know, they had a, a really good football team. I actually played college with a couple of those kids off that team. Um, and uh, they they came to town. Maybe it was a long trip for them, but we, we really played well. Our, our offensive line blocked real extremely well that game. And we had some really good running that game. And uh, defense played well. And, you know, that, that night it was it was going right for us the whole time and kind of not going right for them. But they had a good football team also. So you beat Frederick, who was 10-0 that year. And then in the championship, it's Falkton. They were undefeated. And it was a nice, nice game. 19-14 for the championship. You won it. Was it one of those games where it went back and forth? It was one of those games that went back and forth. Uh, I think we scored first, and they came back and took the lead. And uh, at the end of the first half, we maybe got lucky a little bit, threw a, a long touchdown pass to Mark Hondo and kind of got it close there at about 14, 13, I think, at halftime or something. And, uh, you know, kind of stayed that way all the way through the third quarter. And uh, um, we intercepted a pass from them and, and took it back down there and scored. And then it was just a defensive battle for the last 10 minutes, basically. Uh, Terry Dosh was the head coach at Falkton uh, at that time. Yep, um, and they they had a lot more on the sidelines, um, a little bigger school than than Freeman for that championship game. When you look at it in the dome uh, that day, uh, a dome that was not air conditioned, uh, uh, you may had you ever played in the dome before? No, that was our first time. You know, had walked through there a number of times at the University of South Dakota games and couple things it was really exciting being in that dome for the first time and on that field and it was hot oh you're, you're right it was not air conditioning it was hot but it was exciting being in there in the perfect atmosphere and no wind and everything especially being a quarterback it was, it was a lot of fun did coach eisenbray have any uh, special speeches uh, saved up for him uh, on that championship game against falkton I don't know if I don't think I can remember any. I, I know coming into halftime, just uh, you know, keep working, and uh, you know, we, we we got our chance. We're we're right there. You know, that's about all I think I can remember from the from the halftime speeches. You know, defenses are, can be very complicated. Uh, you also played linebacker. What was your defense like? We played a three four two. Uh, you know, that was probably taking care of. Uh, utilizing our talent the best that we had at that time uh, with Handel and Euchre and uh, Ratzloff and myself at linebacker. And, you know, we, it, it helped us, you know, probably protect the run in the pass pretty well. And our defensive line was, was good. So, you know, we, that was the defense we, we decided to go with that year just based off of the players we had. Steve Korn. Freeman Flyers, the MVP, the Joe Robbie winner, 1981, in the very first year of the high school playoffs in South Dakota. They beat Falkton, 1914, for the championship. What were your stats like in that championship game? Uh, you know, I think they were okay. I had a couple long touchdown passes. Uh, the runners ran a lot further than I threw, but I know that much. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that worked out pretty well. And, uh, you know, I was just lucky enough to lead them enough that they could run away from the defense. That was that was good, and uh, got lucky. Leslie Young threw me an interception and uh, threw a ball to me, and I intercepted it and returned it for a little for a few yards and set up a touchdown for us. So, I think I was in the right place at the right time a couple times. Able to run in or talk to some of the guys from that team over the years. It's been forty years. When's the last time you ran into a few of them? 
Yeah, I try to get back to Freeman once a year, and I'll run into, you know, Barry Euchre on my team and uh, Kurt Ratzloff and uh, Jim Kaufman and those guys. I've seen most of those guys quite often. And uh, a funny story is the starting tailback of the Falcon Trojans that year is named Don Sharon. He's my boss today. He's your boss. <laughs> yep, he's the, C- he's the CEO and chairman of the board of the company I work for. Well, you live in Jasper, Indiana. Uh, when did you move to Jasper, and, and what do you do? I moved there about 17 years ago, and I'm the uh, president of our global operations for Kimball Electronics. When you look at what Freeman has done in football, certainly they had that great uh, streak of four in a row uh, in the late 90s. You know, they didn't get back to the Dome for, what, 15 years after you guys had won it all. And, of course, then they merged with Canastota, and they've been in the finals now the last uh, three years, and they've, they have won it. What's it been? Uh, what's been the talk in Freeman about the way they've been playing football here in their history? I, we always had a great tradition. We had a really, you know, my my freshman year, we had a great tradition under Don Deedy. He was the coach uh, Unfortunately, I had a heart attack after our sophomore year, but, you know, it had a really good program all those years, even before the playoffs, and it just continued afterwards. And, uh, you know, that those uh, four years, we had just some really great athletes at Freeman that, that continued that tradition. Kind of sad when the football program, you know, went away for a little while, joined Canastota, and they just continued on with uh, those two schools uh, really continuing to, to build on the football tradition that's there and that and that community in that area. Steve, how many of these guys on that championship team eventually went on to play college football? I think there was uh, three of us that went on to play college football. Myself, uh, Kurt Ratzloff, and Jim Kaufman all went on to play college ball. And remind us where you went to play college football. The fourth. There was a fourth one. There was a fourth one also, Craig Weller. I, I went and played at the South Dakota School of Mines for four years. Thinking about this whole history of been 40 years since it happened, uh, what is the biggest thing, whether it was your she- senior year or not, what stands out the most when you think about it, Freeman, when you were there 40 years ago? I think the teammates I had and how we worked together to – to win that championship was the biggest thing that stuck out to me. Everybody, you know, did their part, worked extremely hard, and uh, just were, were would do anything for the other person on that team. And, uh, you know, and the community really got behind us. And uh, it was just an exciting time during that, that run to that state championship in Freeman. Was there anybody left in Freeman um, the day of the game? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. There was a pretty big crowd at the Dome that day. I know that for a fact. I don't think there were too many left in Freeman. <laughs> any of you uh, uh, family at all? Did uh, have any boys? Did they play football? What uh, What's it been like for you, uh, Steve, recently? For me, I've got two girls and one boy. They My girls both played soccer. My son uh, was a tennis player and a golfer, did not play football in Jasper, but uh, – they're all uh, through high school, and uh, my last one's a senior in college, so they're they're all out in the real world uh, doing their thing. It's 1981. Dismet the Bulldogs there in the championship, but you know what? Prior to 1981, there was no championship. There was no playoffs. But that year, Dismet defeats Gregory in that 11B title game, 8-6. to six. And the Joe Robbie MVP award winner was Dan Olson. And uh, Dan, who wore number one, joins us now uh, from uh, Colorado. Uh, hey, Dan, thanks for the time today. Hi, Craig. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Let's see. Uh, you were listed 6'5", 185, a senior and a quarterback for DeSmet your senior year. Uh, close? Was I close to... What uh, what you were? I, I think that was including helmet and pads, probably. <laughs> what was it like, though, you know, as a sophomore and a junior, playing football back at a time where, where there were no playoffs in South Dakota? Well, and it was interesting. In, in fact, it was um, the year prior, my junior year, that created a tremendous amount of controversy across the state. 
with the uh, athletic uh, writers and, and the polls at the end of the year because we were undefeated. And number one, as I recall, throughout uh, the entire season, and we had a bye week, and uh, Beersford, I believe, was also undefeated. And during the bye week, we dropped to number two, and they went to number one. <laughs> and then we played right, our, right? our last uh, eight, uh, game eight, and we ended up undefe- undefeated. And we were kind of the so-called number two, as I recall. And there was a lot of discussion about uh, just having – a uh, you know one-on-one match with Beersford to kind of settle the score, and there was a tremendous amount of uh, controversy, and there was a lot of back and forth between the the two schools, and I think uh, um, you know those in, involved in the whole process, and I think it was the real catalyst for getting the playoffs in place the following year. So. Uh, we were all for it and couldn't have been more excited going into our <laughs> senior year with the group of, of players we had back to pursue the first ever, uh, you know, title. I think you had like 10 or 11 seniors uh, on your roster uh, your senior year. We, we, we had a, uh, an experienced group. Uh, I have to say it was probably a little bit of a barbell. I believe we were the smallest 11-man school in the state. We had 22 guys out. We had, uh, I think, six or seven seniors in the starting lineup uh, on offense anyway, and then a cast of uh, juniors. So we had a good group there. And uh, like most schools back then and of that size, you, you played multiple positions uh, on both sides of the ball. So, um, you know, I was quarterback and uh, free safety, punter and kicker, <laughs> which, which, which was great. Uh, so I think I got to come off the field on, uh, on, on punt returns and, and kick returns. And that, and that was it. And that's the way a lot of guys work. So it was, it was a lot of fun. You didn't, you didn't uh, get bored or anything standing on the sidelines, uh, that's for sure. Was Marv McEwen uh, your coach in 81? He was, yeah. Coach McEwen uh, had, had been at, at D. Smith, uh, I think, a few years at that point, mm-hmm. yep. three or four. And, uh, yeah, Coach McEwen was head coach, and then Bill Wilkinson was the assistant coach. What was football like in DeSmet? In 1981, you come off that undefeated season and you're uh, still undefeated towards the end of the season. But what, what was football like at that time? Well, it was it was a, um, uh, a, a great time to to be at D. Smith High School. We had a lot of great athletes and, and actually I would have to admit that my junior year, we were probably a better and deeper team. Uh, the senior class that year had a, a lot of great athletes and a lot of good football players, and we had a really, really good team. And it was unfortunate the playoffs uh, didn't exist at that point. But uh, going into our senior year, there was a lot of excitement, and uh, we were we were on a mission, uh, if you will, to to prove. And uh, D. Smith is, as you're well aware, is just a you know tremendous sports community. We mm-hmm. were blessed to have grown up in that environment, and a lot of uh, you know a lot of the kids uh, were really dedicated to uh, dedicated to sports. It was in the fabric of the community, and and Coach McCune. Um, you know, was a big part of that, certainly in his early days. And you can kind of see his passion for sports in the community. And, and uh, that played out for many, many years until he passed away this, uh, this past spring. Um, so it, it was a wonderful time to be there. And uh, we were fortunate to, uh, to make it into the playoffs and had three really tough playoff games. And, <laughs> And uh, managed to pull it out in the end. What kind of offense did you run? I mean, you put a lot of po- you put a lot of points on the board. Except, well, you, you beat Hamlin nine to nothing. But a- other than that, you you put some points on the board. We we did. Uh, we were pretty balanced run game, pass game. Both were complementary to one another, and and I would say we were one of the better uh, passing offenses 
in in our league and in the state. Uh, we like to sling it around a little bit, so we put up a lot of yardage in the in the air. Um, I would have to say the playoff games we we underachieved on offense because they were kind of grinded out uh-huh. games. The uh-huh. semifinal game against uh, Beersford, I think it was a six nothing uh, final that yes, we won, was. and just a dogfight. Um, but that was uh, that settled the score for the prior year. I yeah, guess at I least kinda, taking credit for it. Yeah, I kind of felt uh, <laughs> thought that maybe that was uh, the revenge game from uh, from the year before. But you know yeah, what? You, if I remember, wasn't your first round game against Sioux Valley? Did that go overtime? It did go overtime. We they were in our conference, and and uh, Sioux Valley had, had some great athletes and. They were really competitive in uh, basketball and others, and so it was a hard-fought game. And again, we managed to uh, to pull that out in OT and <laughs> in advance to the semifinal game against Beersford. And we had to go down to Beersford and on their field to play that. And uh, we're lucky enough to uh, to scrape by and make it to the championship and to win it all. So we were battle-tested. I guess it was probably the uh, the good news out of going through that process. We were ready for tough games. That Sioux Valley game, by the way, you just had played Sioux Valley a couple of weeks prior to that first round of the playoffs. But I believe you lost your last uh, regular season game against Miller, uh, 21-16. Was there something weird about that game? <laughs> Thanks for uh, pointing out the deep emotional scar I still have uh, on, on that loss. Uh, yeah, Mother Nature didn't cooperate, uh, put it that way. It wasn't an ideal night. Uh, last game of the year, it was miserably cold and snowing, basically a blizzard. And we had traveled to Miller, and uh, it was a really good game, kind of back and forth. Uh, they they were the next level higher, so that was kind of our uh, our excuse, if you will, uh, <laughs> Craig. So we're going to put a little asterisk by that one. But uh, <laughs> if I remember right, it, you know, one play doesn't decide a game. But it was it was kind of an unfortunate and very tough uh, weather conditions. We had a a dropped punt basically inside, uh, I don't know, it was inside the 10 or 15 yard line and kind of set them up for, for a score. And, and uh, anyway, we ended up losing the game and, and that, that was maybe something we needed to really uh, spark our competitive spirit to say, we're not going to let that happen again, going into the playoffs. So again, a, a tough game, but that was my only loss in, in the two years, uh, junior and in senior year uh, at D. Smith. So just the one loss, uh, you, you go overtime, you beat Sioux Valley, and then you beat Beersford six to nothing in the semis. And at that point in time, you knew you were going to the Dome uh, to play the championship game. What was going on? What was the feeling like in DeSmet at that time? Well, as you can imagine, a tremendous you know amount of excitement for the community and, and certainly for for the team and, and the coaches. We were hyped for the game. Um, as I think back, uh, you know Gregory being in you know kind of the south uh, central part of the state, we, we never really crossed paths with Gregory. I don't think we ever played them in any sport uh, during my high school career so they were really an unknown to us and I believe you know we were number one going into the game they were number two uh they had two losses we had one and and knew we were you know going to be in for uh, a tough game and we better be ready to play and and uh, sure enough it was exactly that they had a really solid team and were a little different than us in that we were more balanced offensively on the pass and run game. They were predominantly a, a running team and uh, they had, you know, a good, good quarterback with, uh, I believe it was Polka and Cerny and Smolik was the big kid and uh, ran some option plays and were really tough on offense. So um, it was a, it was a tough game back and forth. That's for sure. Eight to six was uh, the final. Um, what was the score going into the fourth quarter? Tell me about the drama about holding off and, a, and, abs, and then winning the ball game. 
Yeah, so they, they scored. Uh, we, we had the ball first, um, and uh, we had made a pass, and there was a fumble um, on, after the reception, and then they – they uh, got possession and scored on their on their first possession, and they were up 6-0 at half, I recall. And then uh, in the third quarter, uh, one of their few passes of the game, I was able to get an interception, and we had pretty good field position and ended up uh, scoring on that possession uh, kind of later in the third quarter. Uh, I believe Tim Martins uh, scored on a – you know, three or four yard run, and I was able to uh, score the two point conversion, a little option uh, play, and so we were up eight six after three, and uh, then going into the fourth, it was it was really um, back and back and forth in that they had their chances and made a couple of mistakes, and and we were able to hold them, and then uh, Dave McDonald, I remember. Caught a crucial catch on a fourth down uh, play. I think that was actually on our drive. Um, but then essentially it was it was kind of who had the ball last uh, uh, was maybe either going to score or, or uh, you know kind of hold them off. So it was it was a uh, right down to the finish, and we were again able to hold on, and we certainly didn't put up as many points as we would normally have uh, but i think credit their defense on that too you were named the joe robbie mvp of uh, the game you know 40 years later uh, what does that mean to you <laughs> uh well it, it it means a lot i'm a little sentimental about this stuff and, and a lifelong proud uh, bulldog and you know because sports was really such a huge part of our part of our life and uh, think very fondly of it and to be kind of the first ever uh, 11B state champs uh, with, you know, the team that we had, I think is, is something uh, that, you know, we'll always uh, remember fondly and, and again uh, for the school and, and to kind of get revenge from the prior year uh, to win that just, just meant a lot. So, yeah, Craig, I probably should have disclosed the older I get, the better we were uh, back back then. Uh, and a disclaimer at the beginning, but uh, but it was just a lot of fun and, and very gratifying to have won the championship after all the hard work uh, that we had put in. And I believe it was uh, Coach McCune's first of several state championships across uh, football and basketball. Yep. He's one of the rare coaches who – has a championship in football and basketball. Uh, there's uh, three or four men are, are the only ones that have done that. And uh, I knew Marv, he, he was a great man, and, uh, boy, he loved his Bulldogs. And uh, it, it showed with, with DeSmet and, and today. Uh, DeSmet is a great sports town. You're involved, uh, you've been involved with investment management. Uh, you're into venture capital. Um, what are you doing today? And where do you live? Yeah, so... In uh, Denver, Colorado area, uh, married to my high school sweetheart uh, from Kieran. Her name is Suzette. And we have three kids, uh, a daughter and a granddaughter and uh, two boys. So the oldest daughter and youngest son are here in the Denver area. And then uh, middle child son is out in L.A. Uh, I've been in the investment management industry for 35 years and had an opportunity to make a change and and i was ready for kind of new challenges uh new operating environment and, and opportunities and decided to start a venture capital firm uh with a partner uh, back in may and uh, we're ramping that up and uh kind of exciting new uh adventures there <laughs> so uh yeah i've been around the investment business uh, really my entire career how often do you get back to DeSmet? Periodically, uh, I was back in April, unfortunately, for Mars uh, funeral, and uh, I don't have family back there anymore. Uh, but you know, certainly friends and and uh, a lot of fond memories. So I, I try to get back there, you know, at least once uh, once a year, uh, every couple of years. Just kind of depends on what's going on, uh, but. 
yeah, stay in touch with, uh, with different people there for sure. And do you stay involved and kind of follow from Denver? What happens with South Dakota football? Uh, I do, particularly the Bulldogs. Uh, so heart and soul is, is with the Bulldogs and excited about uh, the prospects this year. I think they're undefeated in football so far. And um, uh, my my cousin, Bob Gary, who was a year ahead of me in high school, so he was in that class of 81 and part of that great football team, his son, Kalen Gary, is one of the stars of uh, the Bulldogs, uh, both football and basketball. And so saw, him with, to, saw him last uh, year with the, the basketball championship. Yep, ab- absolutely. So uh, um, excited to kind of see him and his senior year. And Red Ostis, we were good friends with the Ostises. And Doug uh, uh, was a friend, uh, Red's dad, he he was, I think, five years behind, and he was part of the Class of 87 State Basketball Championship and and then coached the uh, Bulldog girls team to yep. state title as mm-hmm. well and mm-hmm. has been around there. So, yeah, we've got a lot of fond memories and friends yet and uh, do keep an eye on, uh, on what's happening from afar. And with technology, I can actually log in and either listen to it or, or watch some of the games that they're broadcast as well. When you talk about winter warrior football, what an amazing run they have been when it comes to the football championships. 15 appearances in the championship, eight titles for a winner. And that first appearance was that very first year, 1981. And they defeated Vermilion 31 to 21. And the Joe Robbie MVP of that game joins us now. He's from Lincoln, Nebraska. He's been there for quite a few years, but uh, he was a winter warrior. Well, I guess you're always a winter warrior. Jack Sharkey joining us. Jack, thanks for the time today. You bet, Greg. Thanks for having me on your show. And like you said, the history's been really good down in winter, and I'm nothing but proud of the town that I grew up in. 1981 was the first year of the playoffs, and we did win the championship, and it wasn't easy in 81. And, uh, 1980, we had an undefeated team there in winter. Very good team. And uh, we they didn't have playoffs then, so I'm glad we won it then in 81. When did you know the playoffs were coming to South Dakota? Because there had been a lot of talk about it. Uh, the Dome had only been around a couple of years. I mean, we knew it was going to happen at some point in time, but... When did you know, and what was that feeling like knowing that, hey, playoffs are coming to South Dakota? Well, if I remember the history of it, it took a legal action to get it to go into South Dakota. And I think the way I found out, I might have read the Sioux Falls August Leader and read about it. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy they got it started there in South Dakota, and they had it on Catalan TV. And it was a really a big event the first year. And, uh really proud to be a part of that team let's talk about that uh, 1981 team uh your position you were running back correct yeah i was the kind of the eye back and it was one of the feature backs and we had a typical harvey nas running attack (laughs) and uh we Mm -hmm. played uh to make the playoffs we, we played several good teams and they always said if they could stop the running game they could beat us but Nobody could stop us. We had a big, powerful bunch of linemen, and and we had the high formation going, and a bunch of running backs blocking, and we went off tackle a lot. And we did uh, have had a lot of success. Um, just hard to stop. We kind of ground it out. Forty years later, uh, things haven't changed at all, Jack. Uh, they still always have big offensive linemen and some pretty good running backs. Yeah, I'll say I. Trent Olson has this team really going this year. It sounds like he's been putting up some really nice scores. And I met him here a few, uh, a couple months ago. I went down to winter and got a chance to meet the athletic director and uh, the coach there. And they're very fine. They're very well coached there again in winter. But I'd, I'd like to say that Harvey Nas was my coach all the way from uh, junior high, all the way through high school, and. Uh, 
he was he's in the Hall of Fame right now, and he was a tremendous coach, a good teacher, and a very good family. How did Harvey influence you when it came to football? Well, I don't know. I think it happened in seventh grade, maybe the first practice we ever had. Um, he kind of he kind of set the tone with this group. I think he had a hunch that there could be something good coming in the future. And I don't know. He kind of all had us had us uh, at the team all watch a few individuals practice. He had me uh, demonstrate how to block. Believe it or not, as a running back later on, but he showed he, he kind of liked the way I the form I showed in practice as a seventh grader. So he then he, as as he progressed, he progressed up with our team, and uh, his son Bart was uh, in the 1980 class, his oldest son, and uh, I got to play a lot with Bart and Brian and Brad. And Brian, I'll tell you, he had one heck of a state championship game. I'd say he was the defensive player of that game. He, he he was in on a lot of plays, a lot of tackles. and It wouldn't have been very easy to win that game without a player like Brian Noss. When you look at uh, that 1981 season, you went undefeated during the regular season. You beat Parkston and Chamberlain, Todd County, and Valentine, Ainsworth, Nebraska, Cheyenne Eagle Butte. Uh, you played Pier that year. What was it like playing a team that was uh, up a division for you guys? And you beat Pier thirty-two to sixteen. Yeah, I remember uh, my junior year. We went down there, and I was playing fullback, and I scored five touchdowns my junior year. So <laughs> they were known for their basketball back then, and I guess we were known. We we couldn't beat them in basketball. I know that they had the <laughs> players like. Troy, Troy Schaefer on the team. Oh, yeah. They had a lot of height and a lot of good players. But, boy, when it, when it came to football, though, there was those big schools and big teams. They just couldn't handle us, I guess. They were lucky to have so much success against Pierre. Your toughest, remember, uh, your toughest game, though, was against Vermillion. Uh, midway through the season, you beat them six to nothing. What was special about that game when it was only six to nothing when you were putting up 40, 50 points a game prior to that? Well, Vermillion's always been a real tough opponent for a winner. There was kind of a monkey on our back there before 1980. I think that was the first year we'd ever beat him and probably ever beat him. And I had older brothers in high school football all the way through, and they'd have one heartbreaking loss every year, and it was usually Vermillion. So it was really nice in 1980 to beat them. And then we went down there my senior year, and we barely beat them at six to nothing. It was really a hard, hard fought game. But boy, when the championship came, it sure did change the score. <laughs> To get to the championship game, though, Jack, you had to barely get by Mobridge. You win 15-14. How tough a game was that first round of the playoffs? Yeah, that was down in winter in the bright Friday night lights of winter, South Dakota. I tell you, they were a tough bunch of young young men. They, uh, I think at halftime, we're maybe even behind at half. So uh, we had to come out and mount a fierce drive. I think it's probably in the third quarter we came out and scored a touch touchdown and we that was that short up the victory. This I believe if the score was fourteen to fifteen, mm-hmm. they were hard to get through. That was almost as tough as the championship game. Well, you beat uh, Spearfish twenty-one nothing in the semis, and then it's off to the championship and a, 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 a foe you've seen a few times. It was Vermilion. They were going to get to play in their home field. You're going to be in the Dakota Dome. What was the expectations of uh, of that game prior to playing? Well, Vermillion had a very good team, and they're well coached by Coach Culver, and they were really on a roll. I know they beat some of the best teams, like in Sioux City. And coming into the playoffs, they were looking dynamite. It, it looked almost scary for us to go match them, but I don't know, something really clicked. And we kind of opened it up very first play of the game. John Murs to Dean Wadi that we scored right off the bat. And that's, that was kind of 
that was great. So as the game went on, though, it just went back and forth, back and forth. And by the time we got a lead, they'd throw a long pass, get right back in the game. So it, it went on like a like a war there with Vermillion, which I know some of the players later on and in my life, like the Seibels and the Scott Bruning and some of the players, they had a good quarterback there. And there was a couple of Seibold brothers yep. playing one of those. Kurt and, and Kyle, yep. Right. Yep. Same way with in the past history throughout, all the Seibolds played against Winter. And they're top family, good people too, very, very good people. The uh, the twenty one points you gave up was the most that you had given up all season um, to uh, Vermillion. So uh, it just shows, yeah, they were on a roll. But you scored thirty one points. What was your biggest involvement with that offense that night? Well, I don't know. We we ran some plays that seemed to work. There's a lot of things that didn't work, but some of the counter plays, like the cutback against the grain. Seemed to be working a little bit, and I don't know. It, it just—it was just a typical game where you had to grind it out, gut it out, fight it out. And I, in the third quarter, though, I—I I don't know how I—I I opened up a long touchdown run late in the third quarter that put us up, I believe, by at least ten points. That kind of they maybe relaxed our team, relaxed maybe a little, but it's still seemed like it wasn't quite over yet because Vermillion could strike back at any they did almost every they answered to every touchdown we made and uh, it was a well played championship game well coached well played and it's something that uh, lives in my memory forever even though it's 40 years ago it still feels fit <laughs> in my heart and uh, I, I thank my coaches and the players and the linemen and everybody involved with the winter school system, um, they're all, it, it made the town very happy back then. I remember they put, they, they went all out in downtown winter. The, we had some special things after the game, too. And it was, that kind of started, I think I, I heard a story. The next day, Coach Nas went out to the football field there where the practice field, there's all kinds of kids playing out there getting ready to they're growing up to be warriors like we were. Jack Sharkey of the Winter Warriors, the MVP, the Joe Robbie Award winner, 1981. What did it mean to you to, to win that award? Win the award? Yeah, Joe Robbie was a very outstanding person. He was a good family and sound like he, uh, while he started the Miami Dolphins, I know and everything. He was in the right place at the right time. He graduated from USD Law School. And uh, he had 11 children, I know. So he he moved to Minnesota for a while. But everything he did was was to benefit sports in South Dakota. He grew up in Sisseton, I know. And our superintendent, Dr. Jay Rupdash, at the time I was in high school, I believe he was related to Joe Robbie somehow. I'll be darned if his daughter didn't go to the University of South Dakota and became a lawyer and she graduated top of her class. And she now lives in Minnesota, Minneapolis. So it means a lot to have an award like that, an MVP award. I just want to say it's all—it's not me, though, winning it. It took the whole team for somebody to win the trophy, actually. But everybody was a part of that victory. And I'm just so happy that the uh, winner is continuing the tradition. It looks very good for this year. Good luck, Warriors. Jack, what are you doing today? I've uh, started my UPS career down in winter uh, in 1990, and uh, I spent seven years in winter there working. And I went all the way 100 miles far out to Martin. I knew all the West area. It was a fun job, though, because you circulate a lot. And I wanted to move to Lincoln, knowing for further my career and my wife started uh, at the University of Nebraska she started uh, undergraduate there and when I moved there in 1997 and she uh, went all the way and got her master's degree and now she's a speech pathologist for the Lincoln Public School and that, that really and my kids all uh, 
I have three kids, two daughters and a son. My son really excelled academically, and he played uh, midget football, and they featured him. They wrote articles about Jack Sharkey in the Lincoln paper, trying to be like his dad. <laughs> that was kind of <laughs> So, but anyway, my son went uh, and played midget, and he did a good job. And then he went to Nebraska Wesleyan, where he concentrated mainly on his economics degree and played football. And then he went on to Creighton and got a couple of master's degree there at Creighton. And he's doing real well in Omaha with, with, with his degree. Football coach. Yeah, and he went to a real big school there in Lincoln. It was called Lincoln Southwest. There's 1,500 students. And uh, he excelled. He played both ways. He made it almost like me to the championship. But it was down at Buell Stadium in Omaha. I think it was the semifinal game against Omaha, uh, Millard North, I believe it was. And it was the longest high school football game in history in, in Nebraska. And he played both ways every play. And it it was just a battle, like <laughs> Vermilion winter battle. <laughs> but uh, Omaha North went on top. How often do you get back to winter? You still got the family in that area? Yeah, my uh, my mother-in-law lives there, and uh, Keith and Jane Mosier, they run a business there. And, and uh, my family is, uh, uh, I got some family that owns some land out east of where Tom Sharkey. Once in a while, if I'm really good, he'll let me come back there and hunt. I <laughs> 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 thank you, Tom, for letting us do that. <laughs> That's a great place to hunt. I grew up doing that in winter. We had a ranch in between winter and Valentine, and, and I hunted this all the time, pheasant hunting and deer hunting, and then hosted hunters. It was a lot of fun growing up there in that community. In Play with Craig Mavic, made possible by the exclusive support of Lake Area Technical College. It is you. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us gain new listeners. This has been In Play with me, Craig Maddock. This is a production of South Dakota Public Broadcasting.